welcome back to this week's Community Bridges podcast. My name's Jeff, your podcast host. Hopefully you've been keeping up to date with all the podcasts that we've been putting out there and know a little bit about what Community Bridges does now. If you don't and you're new to the show, make sure to check out our website at www.communitybridges.co.uk to find out more about what we do and how you can get involved. So today we're going to be talking to Shaleen and Daniel from Wellbeing SE15. They've got loads of projects going on at the minute and we managed to catch up with them a few days ago. If anyone has any questions about the, what we discussed through the show, do get in touch with us via our website or reach out to Wellbeing SE15. I'm sure they'll be willing to have a chat. Otherwise, enjoy the show. How's your day been, both of you? I mean, obviously, I've just had a little bit of a Shaleen's day, but how's your day going, Daniel? Um, yeah, it's going all right so far. Obviously, it's going to be a, a very packed day. Yeah, you've got a busy day ahead, yeah. yeah. Definitely. <laughs> well, uh, hopefully I won't uh, take up too much of your time today. Uh, it but... might be the other way around, Jeffrey. <laughs> 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 you might be like trying to say like the line is bad or something, you know, to get away. <laughs> I'm, I'm running out of data on my internet. That's what <laughs> No, I, I mean I have got I've got all afternoon until about seven o'clock this evening when I'm actually quite lucky enough to be going diving with Sandra. Oh wow! It was her birthday present, so I'm taking her diving tonight, only in a swimming pool. Uh, oh well, good. Okay, that means we, we we're not in fear of losing you then. No, not, if we get lost in a swimming pool, it'd be quite impressive actually. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't write it off though. You know, I wouldn't write it off yet. <laughs> so anyway, we obviously we're here with Community Bridges podcast. So thanks for joining us. Uh, we have worked with you guys here and there over the last few years, haven't we, Community Bridges? I know correct, you've helped us out correct. here and there. And... Yeah, so um, we became introduced to yourselves um, through doing our very first, like our premier wellbeing event. And I'm so glad, actually, that um, Sandra did reach out to us. Um, I think the first time I saw you guys was probably before I met Sandra. I used to see your publications dotted around Peckham. Oh, and it was always a, yeah it was always a good lovely little concise booklet of just some different things different information hearing from different organizations and i love that um perspective of it so that was why i kind of thought you know what this this could actually be a great avenue to help us to also make peckham aware of what the event that we were about to do and sandra was so welcoming and open and even at our event as well, she really helped contribute to us pulling off, like uh, we had a, a last minute hitch <laughs> presentation <laughs> issue. Remember, Daniel? Definitely. <laughs> yeah, she yeah. helped us out with some, some technical issues with the laptop. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, it's all... laptop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, been, it's been fun to be, you know, to be fair over the last couple of years obviously like you said the, the publication was out uh, the, the magazine and unfortunately that uh, we had to stop that there are rumors and people are talking uh, in in the group that we might try and bring something along those lines back <laughs> it's not it's not been uh, set in stone yet but we are trying but obviously that's kind of where the podcast kind of came from was when we stopped doing the magazine the podcast came out and we right. try and do the same kind of thing with the podcast and share people's okay. messages what, so and what they're getting up stop, to why did you stop the magazine <laughs> well we, we we got to a situation with uh coronavirus when that came in it was a free magazine anyway wow. um and we were putting it in locations oh, for people to pick awesome. up that were community based and unfortunately they all closed wow. and people weren't picking it up as much and it it, it for it was quite a costly um, mm. uh, operation for the organization anyway, which was fine. Uh, but once 
that kind of died down and we realized people just weren't getting access to him anymore we decided to go more digital to try and reach more people that way ultimately okay. uh, it was a quick change to be fair it all kind of happened within, within about uh two weeks three weeks wow I think we managed to switch over from the two we kind you've of done ran... brilliantly though mm-hmm. you've done brilliantly like i've been reading your your website and stuff like that um well was it, the was website's it... just had an update it's had a, a whole new update in the last month or so it looks fantastic at the minute i've got to say great <laughs> It's, uh, there's a lot of new information on the website. If you haven't been on there recently, there is loads of new stuff on there. Okay. Um, and I, th- I believe there's even more to come in the next month or so. So do keep your eyes out on that. Excellent. Definitely. But let's talk about uh, Wellbeing SE15. Tell us a little bit more about you guys. Tell the audience about what you're initially about. I know you've got plenty of messages, I'm sure, and things that you're getting up to. Yeah, uh, we, we have actually have got a lot going on in the background. Um, it's one of those things where everything's in the pipeline, and the minute that everything kicks off, there's going to be a whole lot going on. So, um, well, I, I don't know if you know the story of how we actually started, but I'll just give you a little intro- introduction. So myself and Daniel were always doing things um, alongside of our main jobs, our, our main you know, work streams. But um, inside, we always felt and knew that we wanted to do something in the community, for the community, that brought everyone together. And we felt that we've always had our own health concerns and seen that arise within our own families. And naturally, instinctively, we were kind of drawn towards how can we better improve our health from a proactive perspective? And then yeah, um, that led on to um, myself and Daniel coming together to form Wellbeing SE15. And the WELL is actually an acronym for Holistically Enriching Local Lives. And nice. this was also spurred on from the fact that um, Peckham uh, Southwark had an initiative for funding and they they wanted to draw people back to the high street and they they started an initiative called Peckham is Open. So under that, we applied for funding and were successful in being granted some funding to be able to put on our first premier event. And from there, we've connected with lots of people like Community Bridges, um, Southwark Cultural Health and Wellbeing Partnership and other small organisations as well. Um, This all started, started, believe it's around 2016 17 or is it later than that it's it's later than that myself and daniel were doing stuff before but well-being um se15 came about in the early part of 2019 right okay okay so yeah so a couple of years right in the the midst of uh right before the pandemic just before before, (laughs) yeah yeah i don't know if daniel wants to add to that so yeah so it's literally just before the pandemic hit we had our event and we were planning from the success yeah. of that event to do something in 2020, which obviously <laughs> that didn't that didn't arise. Of course, yeah, I bet that was hard work. Yeah, really. so that was a bit of a downer, but it gave us time to regroup and plan for this year. We don't know how this year is going to pan out because you know what's happening next year as well. But, um, well, we, we're all kind of on our on our toes well, for that, waiting to hear, aren't we? That's it. That's exactly that. But um, in the meantime, we've been connected with different organisations off the back of our event and that's enabled us to partake in um, different projects centered on health and well-being in the borough regardless of the situation so there's been an upside to not being able to do our own event we've been able to collaborate with different organizations which has definitely been very, very 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 beneficial and um and also um the bowel cancer project that spurred from from that downtime as well daniel mm-hmm. so we were partnered with some organizations in Southwark 
uh, we had some funding from Southwark and we were partnered with uh, NHS Southeast. Okay. And we were able to write a brief and a program for, it's presented around health inequalities in the borough. One of those projects was related to bowel cancer and the uptake of bowel cancer screening, particularly among people from the Black and African Caribbean community. Because mm. um, I know I, I've definitely heard this is a big problem in uh, America. And sorry to jump in there, because mm-hmm. I, I actually read an article about this a little while ago, and I wasn't too sure. I never really looked into it much more after that. I've got mm-hmm. to say, um, but whether it was similar in the UK. But if I remember rightly, it was something like um, fifteen or twenty percent. Uh, so African Americans are 15 to 20 percent more likely to get. Uh, I think this was uh, colon cancer, but I know that there, there's there's. Uh, I'm not a doctor, uh, <laughs> honest, so I'm not sure what the similarities are. But I can imagine it, it, it's there's a few of of these uh, numbers around. If that makes sense, there are, yeah. There, there, are simil- yeah, there are similarities in the numbers. Um, okay. I think with the states, colon cancer is a more specific issue. Um, bowel, okay. bowel cancer does include colon cancer, right, so it includes okay, okay. includes the stomach, the intestines, lower yeah. intestines, and the colon. So bowel cancer is actually an umbrella term. Yeah. Okay. That. Okay. That's so yeah. Right. But um, so those numbers are probably even more for bowel cancer uh, mm-hmm. if it's only twenty percent for colon cancer, for example. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So They're scary numbers, though. Isn't yeah, it? it is. The numbers are very scary, and the thing about the bowel cancer the issue with bowel cancer is that. Um, Say in the UK, speaking from a UK perspective, um, a lot of the cases are actually treatable and curable if they're caught in time. Yeah. The yeah. issue with um, particular um, people from our community is that it's not caught in time. It's often diagnosed too late. And like you said, that comes down to the screening aspect. Comes down to the screening, they're not going yeah. through the screening the same the way. And, and what do you think? This obviously you're. This, this is something that you guys have been talking about mm-hmm. and, and it's big within the organization right now. But it, have you got, is there a reason for this? Is there one reason? Is there many reasons that, that, that this uh, particular area of the community isn't going through the screening in the same way? As, as, is that kind of apparent or yeah. is that still not understood? Yeah, we often get asked this question. And from personal experience, I know that one of the reasons um, why people don't take up, um, you know, screenings for a lot of things is mainly because of exp- past experience of being of how we've received treatment within you know health services mm, so yeah. it gives you the you know once you've had um a, a particularly bad experience it makes you skeptical very skeptical about the reasons behind why you should go for something especially if you're walking around feeling okay you know mm. most of the time people could be in denial about small symptoms or not even realize or be aware of what symptoms they should be looking out for. Because historically, you know, if you have things wrong with you, you would take maybe give something natural or herbalistic or, you know, something that your grand would tell you to take. And you would just put that feeling to the side kind of thing. But I think most of it comes from skepticism about poor treatment and also the stories that you hear, what what happens to people. Because um, if I'm honest, I do have personal experiences and knowledge of things that have, gone wrong with people that I know and it was Mm. it came basically down to not being heard not being listened to or being ignored um so yeah that's part of it and I think the reason why it it was ideal for us to be involved is because we also do know that there are situations when people do get the right treatment 
you know, mm. or do get the care that they need and then the successful results. So we want to see more proactive health measures put in place so that people are aware of what they need to look out for in the first instance rather than just dismissing it you know mm-hmm. and, and what are the kind of first steps to get this moving in that direction then if it, is there a plan for you guys if you've got next steps where, where's it going uh, between you and this or other organization that you're kind of working with so yeah i was just going to say that um what we're going to do or what we're currently doing is holding a consultation with people from the public um we'll give you the details of that but what we're trying to do is get people's experiences documented so we can sit down with people within the health services and kind of relay to them the honest opinions of the people they're supposed to be serving in the community yeah yeah okay and that's the, that's the only way we're going to resolve these kind of situations getting people to take responsibility for their actions on both sides mm-hmm. And obviously, the more the more kind of uh, stories and experiences you gather, the, the better, really, because obviously mm-hmm. it's only exactly it's going to give you a better picture. Yeah. And, and uh, is there a platform that people can get involved in this? J- just this aspect, is in putting their stories up, or, or do they contact you directly? So what they'll do if they go to um, wellbeingsc15.org. Yeah, I'll make sure the link, all the links of yeah. this, you don't have to write it down, audience. Yeah, they will be in the, they'll be in the, the bio. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So all they have to do is go to the website and the link to the actual sign-up form and the details of the project are on the, on the, on the website. Okay, perfect. So, so it's relatively easy for them to do, yeah. uh, which is good news. Uh, and then one, once you've kind of gathered all this, you're going to take it to the, the, the respective bodies, I assume, hopefully as far as the government is, is kind of the, the end um the end part of this and policy making etc etc yeah that would be uh, that, that, that's the long term yeah, yeah. of course and, and i mean are there other organizations that you'd like to try and get involved with this that you think can give you more leverage more kind of um more presence shall we say that might be in this area have you found other organizations that would be good to connect with well in actual fact um the our, our vision for well-being se15 is that we want to become a renowned source of well-being information within Southwark. So we kind of want to be a flagship in Southwark. That's our big picture. So, um, yes, there are organisations that we could potentially think about being involved with, but essentially we're trying to actually build our own backbone. We're trying to become that organisation because if you think about Southwark, you would you wouldn't associate it to you know something flagship of well-being and that's the point we want to be renowned and uh, succinct in that way like mm. you know Southwark is a borough of well-being and then maybe that um can spread to other boroughs where they can take um example of what we've done and how we work within the community and how we've grown our ties and and things like that so that we can become that you know that renowned flagship source that's our aim actually mm. jeff Okay. So yeah, yeah, that's no, fantastic, Eamon. I'm sure we'll get you'll get there eventually, hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, so, so what, other than uh, th- this particular area that you're working on, what what else is Wellbeing SE15 uh, about, and what else? How else can other people get involved? Oh, we love involvement. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, Wellbeing SE15 is about being happy, essentially, being happy and healthy, and. Um, as well, it's not just about um, like medical health, it's about mental health, spiritual health, and alternative health as well. Um, it's not just about going to the gym per se, it's about doing things that make you happy, which could be 
um, creating uh, something artistic. It could be um, having an allotment. It could be having a partner to do walks with on a weekly basis, reading a book, you know. So well-being, it's a, it's, it's a holistic approach that we want to have, not just a single route to, you know, um, having all of your, you know, physical, you know, like health being well. So, mm. yeah. And how people could get involved is um, we, you know, on our emails, of course, you'll put all the information. And literally, as we get events, we kind of have roles that we can ask for assistance from anybody who has skills that they want to improve upon. That could be anything from social media, marketing, um, budgeting, or, you know, anything like that. We're open to the involvement to have somebody who would like to improve, improve some skills or just, you know, do something in their downtime that they find constructive. So we're open in that way. Fantastic. I mean, it sounds like there's plenty of ways for people to get involved in. Yeah. <laughs> <Really>. <laughs> and and you, you kind of touched on it there, actually, Celine. Um, and I was going to bring this up because there was something else. Along when I when I saw this article, and uh, again, that was about America, but this one was about the UK, and it followed. It must have been I must have been in an echo chamber of reading this sort of news that day. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it came up, and it was about the the difference in uh, family wealth between black African ethnicity and white British ethnicity. Mm-hmm. And it was it was quite an astonishing gap, really. Uh, and I've just found it online here, just yeah. to make sure I had the figures right. But the median figure of a family uh, family wealth per adult of black Af- African ethnicity is £24,000. A white Bre- British ethnicity is actually £170,000, wow. which is a considerable amount of difference. Yeah. Uh, and it... it I remember at the time I thought about it, and, and I'll, I'll raise it now, but obviously trying to create an organization, particularly, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong here, I'm going to, I haven't, I, I believe you guys are an actual charity, aren't you? You're a, you're a charity, not a CIC. Is that right? Or well, a CIC, not a charity? We're, we're actually neither at the moment. We're still just uh, like a foundation organization. We're right. looking okay. to decide on whether or not the CIC route is best for us or not. But um, yeah, so we're not there yet. <laughs> I, I, it's a big decision. It took us a long, long time. So I, I completely yeah, understand. Exactly. We don't just want to just set up as anything just because we want to make sure yeah. that we choose the right um, organization for our, uh, for our business. Uh, and I mean, it's good that the CIC has actually got brought up uh, and, and allowed the, the difference between kind of limited companies and charities. Exactly. Under, and they've brought out another one as well, month. Jeff. I think subsequent uh, to that social social enterprise yeah uh, they keep they keep one, bringing yeah. them out <laughs> and it is it's a tough choice to know exactly where your organization sits and where where he's going to benefit everyone the most really exactly but okay so so um i've, I've lost my train of you thought. were just talking about basically wealth and um the disparities and, and that was exactly it so so the big so big problem and this kind of i don't know whether there's numbers out there to to say whether this is a kind of if, whether it's right or not, uh, and I'm only kind of surmising from mm-hmm. reading that article, but I could imagine it being quite difficult to start a charity in this area because they're, they're ultimately the funds are lower that you're going to receive to then support it. If that makes sense, it does make um, sense. Uh, it sounds horrific ultimately when you you say it out loud, but mm-hmm. I can imagine that being quite a big problem uh, and something that maybe you sh- maybe people should be aware of more. Yeah. Um, and I, probably hasn't been brought up too much. I think I think that, but um, being aware is a good stance to start from because, as far as I'm concerned, yes, there are disparities, and um, yes, if you're not aware, 
um, and you are seeking funding and stuff like that, then it doesn't help if you are relying on funding to be able to pursue your cause. However, I also take that as a, um, for, for myself, I take that as an advantage because I, I, you know, when you know something and you know what the weaknesses mm-hmm. are, then you know how to start looking for solutions. It's when you're not aware of things. So for me, I believe that there there is funding out there. I've learned more about funding sources and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There are lots of available sources for funding, but you just have to some some of them you have to be connected to through somebody like someone will make you aware do you know that there's this foundation because there are lots mm, of people that, as well who, that, that's probably the, that's probably the most likely is word of mouth I yes think that's how we've survived is yeah. word of mouth the funding pot yeah it truly is an important element of seeking funding but in order to have word of mouth you have to actually start putting yourself out there if myself and daniel had not started this um project together we would never have been introduced to half of the stuff that we know already. So sometimes you just kind of have to start, even if it's with something small, just start mm-hmm. from there. Just start with whatever you, you can get access to that's because it. you never know where that's going to lead to next. Um, <clears throat> also, um, there are lots of organizations. There, There's even a website. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I might be able to send you the link after that lists thousands upon thousands of sources of resources you know um and sometimes there are conditions that come with them sometimes you have to be set up as a a organization like a cic or a limited company already which again can also limit the funding that you have access to and some people are um, a bit intimidated by hearing limited company and Mm, they think that yeah they think that they they can't set it up but i think again if we can make people aware not to be scared of these letters ltd and cic's and what they essentially mean in you know verbatim terms then more people will start to want to access or try their luck you know at at accessing these funding resources Mm -hmm. i I mean i i can imagine it puts a lot of people off actually even looking at starting an organization is these kind of figures and then thinking about that kind of idea It, it 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 doesn't help the the cause, so to speak. Yeah. But would you, would you obviously you sound like you've got a wealth of uh, of, uh, of knowledge from learning over the last couple of years with setting up wellbeing being SE fifteen. Exactly. Um. But can people come and have a chat with you if they had an idea? Would could it kind of branch off when you say you kind of want to be a flagship centerpiece in in uh, the area? Is that kind of an ambition as well to be able to support other people, kind of break reaching out and, and starting their own um ideas and things. definitely definitely daniel do you yeah, want to interject about sunbeam yeah 100 percent. oh mean, yeah we, tell us about sunbeam so, so from um well-being we then became involved with sunbeam which looks at the economic disparities within the borough but more okay. than that sunbeam was set up to kind of address some of the issues we've just spoken about so access to information and access to resources at the end of the day, without the information, you can't access the resources. So the knowledge is essential. There are a lot of, of people course, out yeah. there, like we've said, who are intimidated by their their work status, their social status, their educational status. But there's opportunities to learn. There's opportunities to build yourself. There's opportunities to to tap into some of the stuff that we've tapped into over the past year alone. <laughs> And it's just about introducing people who want to push forward and do something for the community. To these right, I've resources. just found the website, and that's this uh, the Sunbeam Forum. That's it. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Fantastic. 
Oh yeah, oh yeah, and, and that's exactly it. I think I think you're exactly right. I think knowledge is the key, and 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 that will help people really find their own paths and, mm-hmm. and give them the um, the room to grow. Ultimately, uh, is is most people's ambitions definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so with it, in regards, we we're kind of stepping back a little bit and go back to the kind of main focal point of what well-being's well-being SE15 is actually doing right now. Um, and, and that's the, the kind of push on bowel cancer and, and the, the the idea that we need to get more kind of traction behind that. Yeah. Uh, we, we talked about how people can get involved and the kind of next steps for, for you guys um, and who else would be ideal to kind of reach out and what, what, what would be good there. What kind of activities are you kind of doing around this? Is there, have you got some events coming up? I know it's kind of difficult to, to kind of plan now, but how mm-hmm. have you got around that side of it? Because it's always quite interesting to see how organizations have kind of adapted to this aspect about actually reaching their audience without yeah. being able to interact directly. Exactly. So basically, um, we've currently um, got, um, we're planning to have our next event towards the last quarter of the year. Um, we're bearing in mind all of the rules and regulations that are surrounding COVID. So we're seeking venues that have a lot of, you know, open space, but somewhere that you could still find quite intimate. Um, so that's, it's on the cards, it's in the pipeline. Obviously we don't want to say too much because with everything up in the air with COVID rules and stuff like that. We still want to be cautious and careful about how we're going to circumvent all these different things. But basically, we we would like to do um, a part two to Wellbeing SE15. Um, it's going to be done from a, we want to get more youth involved. So we know that there are a lot of young people who have started their own businesses or they have ideas about something that they would like to sample and trial selling. So that will be our reach out for the, for the next upcoming event. We'll be looking for people aged between 16 to 22 who either have experience of something that they make themselves or something that they sell, um, you know, sell themselves. Yeah. 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 And um, and so that will be our focus next time. And it will obviously still have the health well-being associations with it. So if perhaps they sell a homemade tea or they they um, make something that I don't know, you know what I mean? I mean, the ideas are endless. Yeah, that's the beauty of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We don't know what could come our way, but we just no, know exactly. that it's definitely it's definitely going to be focused on the youth the next one. Brilliant. Well, uh, hopefully more and more 16 to 23 year olds will get involved then. Yeah. It'll be good. Right, guys. Well, I'm going to, I mean, is there anything you want to kind of share with the audience, uh, reach out to anyone, uh, tell anyone or share an experience, anything like that? I think I'd probably just like to say um, publicly, like, thank you to all the organizations that do contribute to us, especially Community Bridges. You guys have been great, really, really great. And we can't wait to do more stuff with you. Um, I myself, I, I hope, I hope I'm going to be on here doing podcasting soon as well. <laughs> That'd be good, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and um, what else? Just watch this space, you know, and and reach out to us if you feel that there's an idea that you'd like to suggest, or even partnerships. We we don't mind doing collaborative stuff if somebody's got an idea about an event that they want to do, but maybe they feel um, that they're a bit. Um, not ready to do it on their own but feel that they could gain something from our experience of having done an event then um yeah just get involved just definitely reach out to us um yeah 
Yeah, fantastic. Well, like I said, all the links, the info at wellbeing, se15.org and the mobile number, if you're happy for me to, will be in the link and the bio below so people can reach out if Perfect. they're listening. Uh, and, and otherwise, I mean, it'd be great to hear what you're going to be doing next year and more about where this kind of bowel cancer uh, uh, search went and things like that. Uh, we'll definitely get you back on. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I believe we're going to be coming down to London soon uh, okay. and, and uh, reaching out to all the guys we've had contact with. So it'd be good to actually catch up, probably. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and look forward to meeting you face to face as well, Jeff. A hundred percent. I'll leave you to it, though, uh, Shaleen and Daniel. And thanks very much. All right. Have a good day. You Thank too, you Jeff. very much. Thanks Thank you. Take care. Hello, everyone. This is Pragya from Eltamarts. And in today's episode, we have our filmmakers, Mark and Wiki, uh, who are based in Northumberland and worked with us on the Creating Connection project. And here they are uh, sharing their experiences about the project. Hope you enjoy it. Hi, it's a beautiful sunny day in uh, the middle of Northumberland in the north of England for you people in London. And uh, my name's Mark. Hello, and I'm Vicky. And we're from uh, Hot Whistle Film Project. Um, we make films with all sorts of different people and all over the place, mostly in the northeast and northwest. And this is the first project that we've been involved with where um, we worked completely remotely um, with Elta Marks. So quite exciting. We were approached by them to get involved with the editing side of their letters project. This is a project where... Um they went into schools and community groups and they set up written letter, uh, sometimes email, sometimes physical letter, exchanges between young people and old people. And from the stories that emerged from those letters, the children in the schools devised shadow plays and and, and their own stories, and uh, they filmed them. And then we got the results to sort out. Yes. Um, I think. The, yeah, the, I think the the letters obviously they form the the backbone to the whole to the whole project and the inspiration for everything that happened afterwards, um, and they were just really interesting and funny and personal. Um, I just really really liked reading them a lot. Sort of within every letter, there was dozens of stories. Um, that take you back a little way, maybe not that far, sometimes a long way away. Certainly for children, it must be, to them, it must feel like a long way away, some of the story, Um, because particularly some of the ones around where the school was were based around, you know, say, like the park that the children go to now and what it was like just after the World War II and things like that. So there was really um, things that the children could really connect with um, story storylines that they could connect with. I think that was one of the interesting things. I think one of my favourite bits was uh, one of the stories. I, th- I can't remember if this was from a child or an older person who wasn't sure if they'd had a pet or not. I think it was a child responding to an older person's oh, yeah. letter about their pets. And this lad wrote that he wrote all about his pet, and then he said, "Actually, I'm not sure if it was a pet because it was a plant." A Venus flytrap. A Venus flytrap. So <laughs> yeah. it's kind of half half animal anyway, yes. some in some ways. Yeah. Um, 
So I think um, one of the things for us is um, the was w working remotely was really interesting. We we um, we found it very easy to work with Ultimarts. Um, sometimes when you set up a partnership with another group, it's um, you never quite know how it's going to work out. You might get on fine, um, but actually somebody doesn't deliver or. Uh, all all that sort of thing can happen. There was none of that. They're terrific to deal with, um, well organised. And um, the only thing that's been slightly late in the whole project probably is this podcast of ours, which is overdue. <laughs> so here we are. Yeah. No, I think it. I mean, it almost. It's worth saying because it goes without saying that we really got on straight away. There was clearly there was not. We didn't have to sort of explain ourselves, and nor did anybody in Elton Marts about as to what the project was about or anything. We kind of got what it what where we were all at with it and I think that made it a really strong starting point um, even though we never actually met and we never actually met the children and for, for me to actually do a project where you don't ever meet the class is hysterical you know having just spent two days in a school doing an animation project um, where that's what it was all about was the vitality of the children and all their ideas this is it's just hilarious to think that you can do a project without actually um, meeting the children, which is, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, to think that has happened, it never would have happened um, without the pandemic, you know, it just wouldn't wouldn't have happened, you know. I mean, may, maybe we would have met Ultimarts, maybe we would have still done the project, but we sure would have been down there in the classroom talking to the kids and the teachers and all that kind of thing. Um, so that came with its own... Um, disadvantages as well, didn't it? <laughs> it? It did. I mean, the, maybe the first thing to say about the, the right. kids is that in all the filming, um, which was all of shadow screens, so you actually learn their voices. You don't know what they look like. Mm, mm. Um, and they're not schools that we're familiar with. It makes a big difference if you work in a school you are familiar with. Yeah. Um, was their enthusiasm came across. Um, so in between takes or at the end or when they'd finished um or the just the the plain sort of effort and enthusiasm that they were putting into being the characters or seriously reading a letter or um whatever yeah. it was uh, yeah. and that's that's really mm. encouraging because in a way that means uh that it we hope it comes across in the material that uh, mainly vicky edited together um working remotely does when you're making films or for that matter doing shadow play um does have uh its own little problems um we made so so one of the reasons we should perhaps explain why we use film and animation in schools a lot it's just one strand of the work that we do but um it it makes children and teachers very accountable um so for example yesterday uh, there was a group of girls we were doing animation with and they swore blind they'd taken 200 pictures of this little scene they'd set up. They'd So you check on the camera and there are 19, not 200. And there's a sort of moment of realisation where the child almost passes into adulthood and go and realises <laughs> that actually they've said one thing and if it was their maths homework they could maybe talk their way out of it. But with film and animation, there it is. My hand wasn't in the shot. Well, whose hand is that with the same ink stain on the fingers? Um, no one was talking while we were recording it. Well, whose voice is that? And so it has a way of, um, without you having to 
particularly reprimand or control. It has a way of uh, of guiding itself because the children are highly interdependent when they're filming. They know that if one of them messes it up, either accidentally or through mucking about, actually everyone will be on their case and so they want to avoid that. So it tends to cut it off before it happens. Um, so with this in mind and not able to talk uh, the children and teachers through a good way to film uh, a shadow play um, we made two little instructional films um, I, I, I'm not totally convinced they saw the light of day because when we got a lot of the material the cardinal rule that we had said at the end of both these little instructional films about setting up the film and how you had camera how you set, how you film the shadow play was watch it back and this is part of the accountability if you watch it back and it's blurry and at the wrong angle from the side and you can't hear what's being said you have to do it again uh, it's not like wading your way through a sheet of, uh, of of muddled writing actually it's unwatchable and because everything we see on the telly is sort of technically largely perfect anything that's not pretty spot on really looks wrong and it's the first thing people think about rather than the actual content which is why you're there uh, so v Vic you we got all this material um, you had yes. to edit it yeah so it took a, quite a long time to decipher it <laughs> so we sent all the clips which was great and there it all was you could quickly see that there was shadow play images there you couldn't really hear anything except the noise of large classes or assemblies or maybe there was break time outside noises really worried about the sound and that you couldn't hear what they were saying um but after listening to it quite a lot and turning it up a lot um i managed to um s decipher what people were saying <laughs> Vic just described most of a fortnight in two sentences there yeah and uh and then it all, then it was a bit like, I don't know, a jigsaw or something. It Suddenly it sort of, the, the, it started to make sense. And so we had fragments of images and we had what they were saying. And you suddenly started to see where where it worked and where it didn't work so well. Um, so so that was great. That, that I think the other thing was, was that, um, that, um, Dai and um, Pragya and well everyone at Altamarts managed to get hold of some of the actual original puppets that the children have made um, not from both groups but for one from one of the groups and and also some of their storyboards that they'd done which again like you said earlier were you know carefully done clearly thought about <coughs> um, about what they wanted to do and everything and that helped a lot but literally that was like you know maybe eight photographs out mm. of out of however many children <laughs> that had done stuff eight photographs of of some of the storyboards and scripts so it was a bit of a deciphering game i have i have to admit um and then putting putting those together and then reading um quite a lot of the letters now we i think pragya you had already kind of you didn't bombard us with all the letters you'd got that already been a certain amount of editing before we got them because otherwise we frankly wouldn't have ever got the film made so we had quite a lot of the letters maybe 30 or 40 or something um to go through and then see where i wanted to see where the children's 
inspiration had come from. So that meant reading the letters going, ah, that's the bit. It's when they went on holiday. She said that they love going on holiday and they've done a whole thing about riding in hot air balloons, going on holiday, whatever. Um, to so Hawaii. That... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that, that was, it was kind of fun, but it, I have to say it was very, was very time consuming getting that bit sorted out. Um, but you can't make the film without having those things to put together the sound and the image to put together. And then the next thing you have to decide is, well, how is it going to look for other people that don't know anything about this project so that they understand what's gone on? Um, because some of the quality of the filming of the shadow play just really wasn't good enough. It just, it was, it was too blurry. Um, it was filmed too far away. Um, and you just couldn't make out the, the, what the puppets were so when we get hold of the actual shadow puppets that's when you went ah oh, right there's that one that's the boat or the girl or whatever and it's this beautifully made puppet that has got articulated limbs and co coloured gel for the hair and all sorts of things like that clearly again taken somebody a long time to make so we needed to show that off as well so in order to do that we needed to refilm some of those shadow stories to show off the, how the puppet was made better because that's what didn't come across. Um, when we say coloured gel for the hair, we don't mean some... Oh, yeah, we don't mean hair gel. ...hideous teenage <laughs> ungent from Boots or Superdrug. Yeah. What we mean is um, a lighting gel, which is like mm. coloured acetate, yeah. so, so that with a shadow play you can have lovely, rich <laughs> colours. Yes. Um, mm. I think I think the... the we were reluctant to to actually, it was actually um, Elton Arts did the the reconstructions, if you like, of the ones which the stories which were indecipherable visually um, from the way they've been filmed, um, and this isn't um, this isn't to make them look smarter than they were. It's actually very much what we're about is helping children to realise their ideas. Mm. Now, if we'd been in the room mm. when they were filming, we could have just reminded them of two or three things at key moments. But, um, you know, in, in a classroom, uh, you know, when you've got a lot of kids around, it's very easy to go, right, it's, it's filming, the camera's mm. doing it. Most people have no notion of editing um, or how much stuff gets thrown away or that you can change sequences and all that kind of thing. Uh, change it, the way it looks. Yeah, it's I, I, it's bringing out what's in the children's heads that you know in their head they've constructed this film, but it hasn't mm. always come out what's what's like in their head. So, for instance, um, a good example um, is those backgrounds. They'd made these fantastic acetate backgrounds with, um, you know, say one of them had trees and a mountain on, and uh, a moon and stars and things like that, and what they'd filmed is they'd just bunged that up so you could still see it was just a piece of A4 acetate on the original. Um, and then they'd done the puppet show to go with it. Um, but what they needed was to film that bit separately. Um, so we were able to do that. We got hold of those and we were able to do that and completely show up those. So we haven't altered anything. We've just shown what wasn't there. Yes, or am amplified something that was... Yeah made yeah, to look trivial yeah. that was clearly very yeah. important to the child which yeah. again um, it's it's mm. about 
the mm. having the child's voice. So mm. it, as and when you get to watch the film, which is on the Altamarts website, along with a lot of the letters, which I'd also employ you to look at. Some of them have absolutely charming little drawings in both the adults and, and the children. Um, it, when you when you see the film, you, you a lot of it is children's voices uh, in uh, with with their work in the foreground. And that, I think, just helps gives you a sense of um, of them having ideas and and how, how they're trying to realize them. Um, mm. There is also the additional issue um, very much at the moment is when we go into schools, uh, children's ability to draw and manipulate uh, things that they're gluing together or use scissors and all that sort of thing have seriously declined over the last five years in particular, but in general over 10 years. Um, which is odd because the, well not odd, it's stupid because the one of the main ways we communicate is visually. You know, if I write down a sentence, it's very different if you can see me if it's, you just read that sentence, if you can see me waving my arms about or pointing or pulling a face as I say it, um, there's an awful lot of other information comes across. Um, often the way we explain physical things to people is we do a little drawing of it. Um, I've I've seen I've seen scientists arguing over something um, that was actually just a misunderstanding because neither of them could draw what they were trying to uh, trying to explain to each other. And this is a this is an issue. Um, the creative industries in this country make a vast amount of money for the country, um, and actually, because of the lack of basic skills acquisition in the arts in primary schools at the moment, uh, we're cutting that industry off at the knees. Uh, we wouldn't expect to have engineers in ten or fifteen years if we didn't have uh, maths taught, um, and yet the creative industries bring in more money than cars, aerospace, gas and oil combined every year. And that was born out of the art colleges of the 60s and 70s. So one of the things that um, is always great fun is going back into schools with a finished film. Um, we do do editing with children, but it's very, very time consuming. And so sometimes we always show them, again, this is something which in this project children haven't seen, we would always show them the edit screen and how things are manipulated early on so that when they're filming things, they have a sense of how it might end up or what they could do with it. So we hope the children saw the film uh, in good circumstances. Um, and we hope that the people that wrote the letters have seen the film and we mm. would implore you to uh, watch it too. It's on the Eltermarts website. And we look forward to working with Eltermarts again. Yeah, that would be great. We'd love that. <laughs> and I don't know if you heard about halfway through this podcast, a curlew flew past. So that's just to remind you that we're sitting in sunny Northumberland and you're stuck in um, too hot, smoggy London. Bad luck. Well, they might be anywhere. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>